0: Forty-nine, Amen. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving. What was what was the star of the show at your Thanksgiving dinner? Ham. The ham was the show. All right, Sister Peoples was confident in hers. Sister uh, Sister Carol Simpkins said she was the star of the show. The confidence is doing well today. Just. Anybody else? How about any sweet potato fans? Yeah. All right. Brother Plager was confident on the sweet potatoes. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. There was so much to choose from. I don't even know where to start. A lot to be thankful for. And a lot to repent of. I'm talking about the food I ate. Everybody's like, "Is this confession time?" I was talking about how much food I ate. All right. uh, John chapter eight, verse number forty-nine. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast the devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should
1: say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. Ouch. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. And was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, "Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham?" And Jesus said unto them, "Verily, verily, or truly, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am." And after that, they took up stones to cast at him. I want you to look at all the other
0: things in there that Jesus had said to them. He called them liars. Right? He had told them that. Uh basically what they were taking from it anyway is that uh, Abraham and the prophets were sinners, were not right, were, were not perfect, or maybe righteous would be the way they took it. But when
1: he made that statement and said, before Abraham was, I am, that was the final straw. Then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. Amen. You can be seated
0: and we're going to look today, and uh, the teaching today is going to simply be on that
1: phrase, I am. I am. It is likely that most of us, I feel safe to say today that most of us do not possess idols in our homes. I'm pretty confident that I wouldn't come
0: through maybe the majority of your homes today and find a shrine of Buddha
1: sitting in your foyer when I walk into your home. Uh, There wouldn't be any of the uh, shrines or statues in honor of the goddess Diana, as was one of the more popular uh, goddesses worshipped in the Old Testament or even in, in the Gospels we find, uh, nor unearth altars that have been built to worship Baal. I'm pretty confident today that when I talk about having idols, most of us would say, yeah, no big deal. I don't have idols in my home. I don't have idols in my life. I don't believe in worshipping Baal or, or Diana or any of the other gods that were mentioned in the Old Testament. I believe that we would all scoff at the notion that we might struggle with the sin of idolatry. Now, there might be other sins that we would look at, the Ten Commandments listing that we would say, you know, that one's, you know, the, the, that whole, you know, not, not not telling any lies, bearing false witness, I maybe from time to time I've struggled with that one, and, you know, there's some of the other ones that, that I would, being honest, maybe I struggle with, but idolatry, I think we would all, you know, just kind of a reflex, say, I don't really struggle with that one. But I want us to look at, this hypothetical figure by the name of Joe. If you're here today and you're Joe, I'm not talking about you. This is a make-believe, fictitious character. So Joe is driving to town in his shiny new red pickup truck listening to the radio. And Joe hears an ad for the singing competition by the name American Idol. And something inside of Joe cringes as they begin to advertise and promote this show. He cringes at the word idol being used. He believes that nobody... And nothing should ever be put on an idol, or on a pedestal rather, as an idol. In no way, shape, or form should these these people be worshipped as if they were a god, Joe believes. And so Joe prays a silent prayer, thanking God that he has no idols in his life. As Joe continues on with his day, the Lord tried to teach him a lesson. Returning his truck after running an errand, Joe notices a big dent on the side of his red shiny truck. Someone had carelessly slammed a door into his truck. Maybe he could patch it up by getting a dent repair kit and smoothing out the dent, but the task would probably prevent him from being able to make it to Wednesday evening service. He hated to miss, but the truck demanded his attention. Sadly, Joe would also miss service on Sunday. He had bought a nice bass boat for fishing on the lake, and he looked forward to showing off his new truck and the new boat down at the docks. No doubt many of his friends and neighbors would be jealous. He was sure that the Lord would bless him with a great haul of fish, just like he did Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Joe planned to bring home the fish and fry them up on his new grill. As Joe heard the American Idol commercial play again, he smugly said out loud, Thank you, Lord, that I have no idols in my life. Joe seemed strangely similar to the Jews in the first century. They thought they knew everything about Jehovah, and boldly proclaimed that they would not put anything before him. Yet when Jesus appeared right before their eyes, they had no idea that he was the God who appeared to Moses at the burning bush. Blinded by ignorance and anger, they wanted to stone Jesus for proclaiming himself to be the great I am. And although we rejoice in the revelation of the oneness of God, we must be careful not to lose sight of the identity of Jesus by allowing possessions. Amen. I know you don't have Buddha sitting in your lobby. If you do, you know you might consider getting rid of that. That is an idol. That's a blatant idol. You probably don't have any altars to bail. But an idol is anything that gets between you and God. An idol is anything that can keep you from the presence of God. So I just want you to think about We all have things that battle in our life for that position of being an idol in our lives. Amen? And so it's not the blatant, that you know, Joe's getting offended because of American Idol, and meanwhile he can't make it to church on Wednesday night because of an idol, because his red shiny truck has a dent in it. He won't make it Sunday morning because of an idol. So he cringes at American Idol, but he can't make it to church because of his, the idols that he has in his own life. So we've got to be careful not to lose sight of the identity of Jesus by allowing our possessions and other things to pull us away from God. While we may know that calling on Jesus means calling on the one God of the Bible, we may not always act like it. When we neglect church, prayer time, and Bible study for our modern-day idols, we are more like the first-century Jews who failed to realize the greatness of the one that was in their midst. So for the next few minutes this morning, We're going to look at the great I Am, who he was to the Jews, how they missed him, and how that relates to us. So the first point that I want us to consider today is simply this, that Jehovah is the great I Am. Amen. We all believe that, right? The God of the Old Testament, Jehovah, the God of Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Moses, he is the great I Am. Amen. He is the God that we serve. And first, we should, we, uh, we should note that the ancient world was very much given to the understanding that there is a God. And, and in fact, they were given to the worship of many gods. So we live in a, a um, culture today where kind of a new thing, I, I think we might, I think they would try to get us to believe that it's always been this way, but atheism. Atheism is the belief that there is no God. And that's really a relatively new thing. Now, there, I'm sure there's always been people throughout history that have denied that, that there is a God. But really, in, in most ancient cultures, they believed there were many gods. They didn't. They, it was very uh, very scarce for there to be anybody you would find that would say to you, "There is no God." All right. It's just in modern times that we've gotten so smart that we can believe we can exist without there being a God. All right. Even Even in ancient times, while they may not not have known the true identity of who God was, they they knew there was a God. Now, in in modern cultures, we smugly turn up our noses at cultures of bygone eras as if, you know, how many be honest and think, man, you know, we're so much smarter than they were 100 years ago, right? Are we really? I mean, I think, you know, we, we allow so much clutter into our lives. Maybe 100 years ago, they were just smart enough not to allow all the junk into their lives that we allow in. But I think, you know, there's this tendency that we think we're more educated than people have ever been. And we're more advanced than people have ever been. And so there's this mindset, I think, that prevails in today's culture that we're so much smarter and we're so much more advanced than cultures have ever been before. And as, as if now we have arrived at this place of wisdom to now we can finally figure out that there is no God. Now well, I challenge you to go to Jerusalem. You get a chance right now, they're not letting any outside visitors in. But if COVID ever does really ever get to go away, um, go over to Jerusalem and go to Herod's temple that is still there and look up at the top of that temple with that is made up of stones that weigh 50 over 50 tons each. I was there a few years ago and looked, and these stones are gigantic. They're there's I don't know, and, and they're elevated I don't know, 30, 40, 50 feet up. Uh, stacked one on top of the other, just perfectly placed. Thousands of years have gone by and wars and battles have been fought and those stones are still standing there. And, and the, the question is, how did they get there? Right? We would say, well, you know, those are you know, not intelligent people. There's no way. You know, Today we could move stuff like that because we, we've got the cranes and we've got all of the heavy machinery to do that. But somehow those stones got there. I don't think we really know how they got there. But I'm just people have always been able to do the things that we can do today. The pyramids of Giza, Greek fire. Anybody ever studied Greek fire? It, I didn't I don't, I study just enough to know a little bit about it, that the Greeks had formed this fire that actually uh, was resistant to water, that you couldn't put it out with water, and they would use it in their. There's a modern um, substance that's similar to it. Some of you all might know. What, napalm, right? Well, this was thousands of years ago, and napalm is a relatively recent creation, but thousands of years ago, the Greeks had created this thing that would be similar to what we call napalm today. Even, and, and I'm, I know I'm kind of digging off on a rabbit hole, but I, I read of one, they, they found recently in a, a, the early 1900s, a, a device that just recently they figured out it was a computer, really, is what it was from probably, 3,000 years ago, a computer that had many of the same uh, capabilities of our computers today. And so while we think that we're so much smarter than people have ever been before, the fact is that we're really not that much smarter than they were. Amen. And, and really, how smart really are we when we come to the place that we think we could get ourselves here, that we think that we don't need a God, that we think there is no God, but yet we think that we've, I say we, that society today thinks that they've become so smart and smarter than any other culture that just now we finally figured out that there is no God. However, these ancient cultures, while they would have thought atheism to be strange and ignorant, they were on the other extreme of that, and they made a God out of everything. And this worship of many gods would be termed polytheism. We see this in Acts chapter 17 when Paul is at Mars Hill in Athens, which was the political and intellectual capital of the Roman Empire at that time. And they, Paul is walking around in at Mars Hill and he sees there is inscriptions to all kinds of gods. And he even finds one that they say, you know, just in case we missed a god, they had a, an inscription to the, to, to the unknown god. And Paul kind of settles in there. He says, well, let me, he sees that as an opportunity to preach to them. He says, let me tell you about this god that you don't know yet. But this, again, is just evidence that the most intellectual societies of these ancient uh, cultures, they believed in many gods. Israel, in fact, was thought to be strange because they worshiped just one god. All of the other nations around them, all of the nations that surrounded them worshiped many gods, but Israel proclaimed that their god was one god, amen? Every other nation surrounding Israel was polytheistic. They worshiped many gods. Uh, when, when they would have asked Israel about this one God that they worshiped or they served, here's how an Israelite would have responded, that they they would have taken them back to a burning bush. When the gods, or rather the nations surrounding Israel would have asked an Israelite about this one God that they served, tell us about this one God and who he is, they would have taken them back to this burning bush experience and this encounter between Moses and God. And there at that burning bush... God revealed himself to Moses as the I am. At the burning bush, when God is telling Moses how he is going to convince Egypt and Pharaoh to let the people go, so I want to pause here and make a distinction. So that interaction that takes place between God and, and, and Moses at the burning bush, I, th- I believe it's in chapter three, or maybe it's uh, chapter four. Let's, let's dig in a little bit since this is Bible study. Let's look at it. Exodus chapter let's see, yeah, let's, uh, 4, chapter 3, verse 20, there we go, so Moses is asking, he's saying, you know, I'm going to come to Egypt, and uh, I've got to convince Pharaoh, I've got to convince all of these Egyptians, I've got to convince them who this God is that is telling them to let these Israelites go, and so the Lord speaks to Moses And he says, listen, for convincing the Egyptians, I'm going to send plagues. In verse 20, he says, I will stretch out my hand and I will smite Egypt with all of my wonders which I do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. So the the plagues that took place were for the convincing of Egypt, for the convincing of Pharaoh. The plagues were not meant to convince the Israelites. They were meant to convince the Egyptians as to who this God was. All right, the plagues and the wonders were purpose to convince Egypt as to who the God of Israel was and of His power. Okay, but when it came to the Israelites, the plagues were not intended to be what convinced them as to who their God was. Now, chapter four tells us that the miracles that took place in the courtroom of Pharaoh, that they were demonstrated to confirm. So we say, well, what about the miracles that took place? You know, if the if the plagues were there to convince the, the uh, to convince Pharaoh. Then what about the miracles that took place? Weren't those, those for the Israelites? Well, in chapter 4, it tells us that the miracles that took place in the courtroom of Pharaoh are demonstrated to confirm for Israel that God had indeed appeared to Moses. So it wasn't that the miracles were not how God was uh, revealing who he was to Israel. It was The, the, the miracles, the, the staff turning into a serpent and then back into a staff again and all the miracles that took place in the courtroom... They were to convince Israel, but not as to the identity of God. They were there to convince Israel that God had appeared to Moses. All right? So look at verse 13. Moses said unto God, chapter 3, verse 13. Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your father has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? Who shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am, hath sent me unto you. So when Israel needed evidence that God was the answer to their problem, he didn't give them a miracle, all right? The miracles were to convince them that God had appeared to Moses, all right? He didn't give them plagues. The plagues were to convince Egypt that God was in control. But when Israel needed convincing who was the answer to all of their needs, they didn't get a miracle, they didn't need plagues. He simply said, give them my identity, and my identity is the I am. Amen. The greatest thing that we have in the church today are not miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. Miracles are for unbelievers. Miracles are to convince unbelievers that God is able and I'm not against miracles. I believe that we need them in the church today. But the greatest gift that we have in the church today are not miracles, signs, and wonders, but it is the identity of the God that we serve. Amen? It's knowing who you serve. It's knowing the power that is in the God that you serve. That is the greatest power that we have. Amen. He says, when the Israelites need convincing to know that I've got this under control, you just tell them, I am sent you. The word I am, or the phrase, the name I am, simply means He is and He will be. Amen. He is and He will be. Amen. A God that is not, was not, and cannot be confined to space or time, but a God that transcended it. In other words, God, He was saying to them, you, You're not gonna, def- you can't put me in the box of your circumstances. You can't, I, I know right now you're bound in Egypt but you can't put me in a box. Amen. I know that you've been generations enslaved in Egypt, but you can't put me in a box because I am the I am. Amen. That you can't put me inside of time because here's what, what happens. We try to bring God into the limitations that we deal with and when we try to define God by our terms and by our time, we limit the power of God, but we have to believe that he is the I am, that he's outside of time. He is an eternal God. He was before Amen. He is here now, and he will be after. Yeah. To declare him to be the I Am was a statement that he is self-existent. Amen. The, the most rich person in this world. Amen. I think it, it it fluctuates between a few guys, right? The, who's the the Tesla guy? What's his name? Yeah, Elon Musk. He's up there, and and then the Amazon guy, and and the 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 the, the the guy that's making all of the vaccine bill gates that guy those guys fluctuate between who's the richest right they go back and forth all right and and i don't know who it is today but not not one of those people can say that they got here on their own not one of those people can say you know what that before, t- that, that nobody created me, that I got here on my own, and, and when time is over, I'll still be here. But the I am was a statement that I am self-existent, amen? And that is difficult in our minds for us to comprehend because everything in our world has a cause and effect. Everything in our world, right? I got here because Jerry and Linda State met and got married and, and some, you know, anyway, we'll leave it there, right? But there was a cause. I got here because there was a cause, that brought about me, all right, everything in our lives, there's a cause that brings us to the point of where we are today, right, something happened to get us to where we are today, but the statement I am was God saying there is no cause, I was here, amen, nobody created me, I was here before creation began, amen, in our world, everything has a source, but God was making a statement that I am the source. I didn't come from anything. nobody made me, nobody thought me up, nobody put me together. I am that I am. Amen. On the fourth day of creation, God created the sun and the moon. while every nation surrounding Israel worshiped the sun and the moon, right? All these nations around, around Israel, I mean, if you study it out, every nation made a god out of the sun and the moon, right. Why did they do that? Because pretty much you can't do anything without those two celestial beings, right? You can't do anything without the sun and the moon. The sun makes plants and you know, it uh, makes them grow and you need the sunlight and the moon, the, the light of the moon. You uh, anyway, the sun and the moon, they make gods out of them. But but the god the I Am, amen, on the fourth day, Israel was able to say, hey, our God back at the burning bush that revealed himself as the I Am on the fourth day of creation, he made the sun and the moon. Amen. So all these gods that you worship, our God put them in place. The things that you do, amen, the, 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 the light that they give, amen, the, the, the sun and the moon that you worship and the way that they govern the seasons, the only way they can do that is because my God gave them permission to do that. The I am was a a statement that our God is preeminent over every other God, amen. Any God that this world has created, when we make the statement that we serve the I am, amen, the declaration that we are making is that every other God, Every other thing, money, amen, is, which is an idol in every society, in every time, amen. Our God is the Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider, amen, that all the gods of this world wouldn't even be here today if it weren't for our God giving them permission to exist. As the I am, he is transcendent to time. That means he sees the past, the present, and he also sees the future. And so he looks at Israel and he sees them in their bondage in Egypt. He hears the cries of past generations. He sees them in their present condition, but he also sees their future possessing promise. He looks at, and 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 in one glimpse God sees their past and he hears the cry of generations in bondage in Egypt. He sees them in their present condition and he sees their affliction, but he also sees the future potential that is in them. Amen. That that is the statement of the I am God. And and nobody else in here, you may know your past and you may know your present, but you really don't know your future potential. Amen. That's why you've got to put your life in the hands of the I am because he doesn't just know where you come from. He doesn't just know where you are, but he also sees the potential of what you can be. Amen. And because he is the I am, because he rules over every other God that man could build, because he is transcendent over time, he sees your past, he knows your present, and he also knows that he has for you a future. And because of that, the God of Israel is everything that we need. Amen. How many of you believe that if you knew your future, if you knew your past and you knew your present and you really knew your future, that you would be able to get everything together that you need? The problem is we don't know. The problem is we don't really. I have a hard enough time just maintaining my present. The enemy really does a good job at trying to get me stuck in my past. Amen. If I can just get kind of in tune with my present, I feel pretty good about things. But God is a God that the I am says, not only do I know your past and I know your present, but I also know your future. And so the I am is everything that we need. The I am was everything that, that Israel needed, even in their enslavement in Egypt. Jehovah was everything that they needed. And so that statement to Moses at the burning bush when he said, I am that I am, it was a declaration that I am everything that you need. Amen. So let's move forward in time. And let's look now at the second point, which is Jesus as the I am. So now we've come, Egypt, Israel's obviously moved out of Egypt. They've inhabited promised lands and generations have come forth. Now this man named Jesus comes on the scene and he's causing quite a, a commotion. He's healing, he's raising the dead, forgiving sins, changing lives on the Sabbath, confounding religious leaders with his wisdom, and nobody is really quite sure who this Jesus is. The town that he grows up in is offended by his miracles because they know him as the carpenter's son. There are some that believe him to be the Messiah. Some suppose he is the second coming of the prophet Elijah. Many believe that he is a magician or a trickster that is simply an imposter as as a messiah. Even his own disciples, when Jesus asked them who he is, they're uncertain of his identity. As long as he was just doing miracles, healing, and raising the dead, it left it up to speculation and conjecture as to who Jesus was. But in the God, especially in the book of John, Jesus be, it is recorded, Jesus begins to make some very specific statements that are, that are recorded as I am statements. Jesus is beginning to reveal himself as the I am. You know, the same voice that spoke out of that burning bush to Moses and said, I am. Jesus begins to reveal himself as that same I am. In John chapter 8, Jesus made a bold statement. He set up this statement by providing clues to his identity in the chapter with the words I am. when Jesus said in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Many people probably thought he was using a common subject and verb when he said, I am. Amen? That's kind of a common phrase. You know, I am tired. I am hungry. I am full because I ate too much at Thanksgiving. Those are common. But Jesus wasn't just making a statement of his condition. He was making a statement of his identity. When he said, I am the light of the world, it wasn't just him saying, this is a condition that I fulfill he was saying this is who I am I am from above I am not of this world in verse 23 they probably became a little bit more concerned however in verse 58 Jesus makes this statement before Abraham was I am amen there was no question about what statement he was making at that point that was for the for the religious leaders for the Jewish leaders Jesus, at that point, crossed the line. Jesus had used the ultimate pronoun and the ultimate state of being to identify himself as the very one that met Moses at the burning bush. In verse 58, when Jesus is standing before all of these religious leaders, and he's been kind of hinting to them, I'm the light of the world, and I am from above, and I am not of this world. They're, They're on edge because he's using this phrase, I am a lot." But in verse 58, he drops the gauntlet and says, look, I'm not playing anymore. I'm not speaking to you in riddles anymore. I want, I want to declare to you right now who I am. I am the I am. Amen. Jesus even proclaimed to predate Abraham, who was the father of the Jews. But it was when Jesus declared himself to be the I am, that many began to follow him, many began to believe in him. Listen, there's something about knowing the identity of who Jesus is that solidifies your faith. As long as Jesus is just, you know, a good thing to do on Sunday, and you know, it's a nice family thing we got going on, and you know, mom and dad worship Jesus and grandpa worship Jesus, you know, and we go to church and we do the same because you know, and there's a lot of that in America today, where, where Christianity is just a good family thing. You know, Jesus is just like sweet tea and fried chicken. You know, we all love Jesus. He's part of our American culture and identity. But when you come to know him as the I am, amen, the God that spoke to Moses at the burning bush, the God that was before time began, when you come to know that's who Jesus is, it's more than just sweet tea and fried chicken. It's more than just going to church and then watching football on Sunday. Amen, it's everything that I need is in the I am. Amen, that's why it's so important that we know the identity of who Jesus is because it was all the way back at the burning bush he said Moses tell them that I am the I am and that is what solidified the faith of the Israelites and in the gospels when Jesus said that I am yes the religious leaders wanted to stone him but many began to follow him because he declared to them I'm everything that you need The religious leaders were not confused about what Jesus was saying. Religious leaders today might look back and still be confused as to the identity of who Jesus is. But on that day, when Jesus stood before these religious leaders and said, I am, and said to them, I was before Abraham, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Amen. And, and, And as he was saying, you know, I'm the light of the world and I'm the bread of life, They were becoming more irritated. But when he said, I am, when he turned to them and said, before Abraham was, I am, amen, they they went beyond being irritated. They lost their minds. And rather, I I don't know, maybe I would think that if I all of a sudden had a revelation that I'm standing in the presence, amen, of the one that created the, the moon and the stars and the heavens and the one that prophets have been prophesying about, if all of a sudden I have this revelation, that I am standing in the presence of this almighty God maybe I would want to worship him but the bible says they picked up stones and they desired to kill him why is that because they had made religion their idol they they had made religious traditions their idol Jesus is standing in front of them saying, I'm everything that you need. I'm the source of everything that you need. Before Abraham was, I am. But rather than them falling down and worshiping him, rather than them praising him, the Bible says they picked up stones and desired to kill him. While the answer to every prayer that had been prayed, every promise that had been prophesied was standing right in front of them, they refused to accept him and worshiped him because he didn't, Meet their expectations. I got a short insert here in video for you.
2: When I was much younger than I am now, we used to go to my grandmother's house in West Virginia. She made quite a feast, especially breakfast bacon, scrambled eggs, biscuits, hamburger gravy, which I think is better than sausage gravy. And then she filled up those little yogurt cups with milk and orange juice. So one morning I was watching somebody else eat breakfast for some reason. AND THEY TOOK A BIG GULP OF THAT ORANGE JUICE. Well, I PICKED UP MY YOGURT CUP, TIPPED IT BACK, TOOK A BIG GULP OF, Whoa, WHAT WAS THAT? I PICKED UP THE MILK CUP, EXPECTING ORANGE JUICE, AND I THOUGHT THE JUICE had SPOILED. EXPECTATION CAN CHANGE EVERYTHING. WHEN JESUS WAS BORN, EVERYBODY EXPECTED HIM TO BE BORN IN A PALACE, LAID IN A CRIB, ATTENDED TO BY ROYALTY. BUT HE WAS BORN IN A STABLE, LAID IN A MANGER, ATTENDED TO BY SHEPHERDS. As he grew up, everybody expected him to just be a good preteen boy, Mary and Joseph's son, but nobody expected him to teach the teachers and the lawyers, but he did at 12 years old. After Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding and healed at least one lame limb, it was pretty obvious Jesus was not just another man. He must be the Messiah, but they expected a military Messiah. Followers just knew if they followed him, they would win an unwinnable war against the mighty Roman army. BUT WHEN JESUS TAUGHT, HE TAUGHT THEM TO LOVE THEIR ENEMIES AND PRAY FOR THOSE WHO PERSECUTED THEM. THAT'S NOT WHAT THEY EXPECTED. THEY EXPECTED HIM TO KICK OUT THE ROMANS, BUT HE KICKED OUT SICKNESS AND SIN AND THE DEVIL AND DEATH. THEY WANTED MILITARY, THEY GOT MEEK, AND THEY CRUCIFIED HIM BECAUSE HE WAS NOT WHAT THEY EXPECTED. EVEN IF YOU'RE A BIBLE QUIZZER, EVEN IF YOU'RE A BIBLE TEACHER, YOU DON'T HAVE GOD FIGURED OUT, AND NEITHER DO I. WE NEED TO LET GOD BE GOD AND EXPECT ONLY WHAT HE WANTS TO DO AND BE IN OUR LIVES. When we pray, let's expect God to hear because he will. But don't expect God to do what you want. Expect God to do what is right because he is righteous and he will always do what is right.
1: So these Old Testament religious leaders, when they should have been worshiping, right? We're in, in a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Christmas and we're going to, because the wise men brought gifts, at least that's our excuse, we're going to give gifts to each other. Man, I think we give gifts because we know if we give them, we'll get them in return. I don't know what the real motive is. Anyway, it's I'm not speaking bad about it. But we're going to celebrate Christmas. The fact is 2,000 years ago, they weren't, they weren't celebrating Christmas. Herod was putting out a decree that all the children, two and under, should be put to death. There were a lot of people that didn't want Jesus there because he didn't meet their expectations. They allowed the prophecy that was being fulfilled to become an idol in their lives because it didn't come the way they expected. They held on to a past promise, something that at one time brought meaning and fulfillment rather than embracing the I am that was standing right in front of them. And while it's easy to chastise the religious Jesus or the religious leaders of Jesus' time, we often do the same. We often hold on to other things in our lives that once brought us fulfillment, that that promise to bring us meaning and purpose careers, relationships, wealth, and while those things are not wrong, they are idols when we turn to them as the source of what we need rather than Jesus. Amen, I don't want to go through this Christmas season and and, you know, just celebrate the traditions, amen. I want, I, I, want to, I want to celebrate Jesus. I want to celebrate the I am. That all the craziness that is going on in our world today, I know the answer, amen. The answer is not that we all sing Christmas songs together. The answer is the I am, amen. He is the solution. He is the source. He's everything that we need, and his name is Jesus. And the final point that I would bring us to today, first of all, Jehovah of the Old Testament was the great I am. Jesus, in the New Testament, is the great I Am. But finally, there is only one I Am. The truth is, modern culture may embrace atheism. But in actuality, there are more gods being worshipped today than ever before. Gods of political power, military might, tech giants, and the list goes on. We think that if we can just get what they have to offer... If I can just get the latest iPhone, I'll finally feel fulfilled. Amen. If my guy can just get in the White House, then my needs will be met, that my voice will be heard, that, that my concerns will be validated. Amen. I know none of you think like that, but there's, if you didn't know, there are people that do Okay, we all think like that. Military might, my needs, thank God we live in America, we got a powerful military and we feel secure because we have military might behind us and and all of these things we turn to and we look to as sources of strength in our life and that those are the things that are going to make sure that our needs are met but we must believe as the people of God, that there is only one I am. There is only one with power to save and deliver. There is only one with power to bring true meaning. Amen. The new iPhone isn't going to bring true meaning to your life. If you get one, God bless you. Amen. It just got better ways to track you and keep up with everything you say. Amen. Amen. Maybe a little conspiracy there on my part, but anyway, that's what I believe. Uh, but we, we've got to believe that those, that's not going to be what finds me fulfillment. It's not the newest vehicle that, 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 I, that I'm able to drive. It's not the bigger home. All of those things, I guess, are fine and good. But they, they become idols when we look to them as satisfying our needs. But there is only one I am. There is only one with the power to save and deliver. The I am was Jehovah in the Old Testament, and he revealed himself as Jesus in the New Testament. Amen. If there were two of them, they would have been the we are. Right? Jehovah would have said in the Old Testament, we are, and Jesus in the New Testament, yeah, we are. No, Jehovah said, I am, and Jesus said, I am. That lets us know that Jehovah and Jesus are not two separate beings, but they are one and the same. Amen? That Jesus is the Almighty God. Amen? Amen? He's not a lesser God. He's not a demigod. He's not a second God in a a three-person trinity. He is the great I am. He is the Almighty God. Jehovah manifests himself in flesh as Jesus Christ. We can only worship the I am in spirit and in truth when we know his identity. Many people turn to the doctrine of Trinity and they separate the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. However, the Bible teaches us about the unity of the one true God. Jesus Christ is Jehovah. Himself manifests in the flesh. John 1.14 states, The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 1 Timothy 3 and 16 give us further insight into Jehovah manifesting himself in flesh when it says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, Jehovah was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Amen. This verse describes everything. Who did those things? Who manifest Himself in the flesh? Who was justified in the spirit? Who was seen of angels and preached unto Gentiles? There's only one that fulfilled all of that, in his name is Jesus. Amen. Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is I am. The name Jesus means Jehovah Savior. Even the name Jesus reveals the key truth about his identity. Jesus means Jehovah Savior. Isaiah 12 and 2 proclaims, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. That same word that is used there, we could easily substitute and simply say it this way. The Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my Jesus. Amen. Amen. It is Jesus who saves us from our sin. It is Jesus who heals us of our sickness. It is Jesus who saves us from our addiction. And if we humble ourselves and have a heart willing to receive illumination, Jesus saves us from misunderstanding his true nature and identity. When we call on Jesus, what are we saying when we call upon the name of Jesus? Here in a few minutes when we enter into worship, when we begin to lift our hands together, we begin to call upon the name of Jesus. What really are we doing? Are we just calling on one of the multiple choices of the many gods that are out there and and some worship, well, they call him Muhammad and some call him Baal and some call him Buddha and, and all these different names. Is Jesus just another option, just another multiple choice in, the, in all the options that are out there? No, when we say the name of Jesus, amen, we're making the same declaration that was made to Moses at the burning bush. We serve the God who on the fourth day of creation put the moon and the stars into existence. Amen. We serve the same God who raised the dead. We serve the same God who created everything that we. Was created. He is the source of all things. Everything that was created was created by Him. And when we call on Jesus, we are calling on the God of the Bible. And I thank Him. I do. I thank Him for miracles, signs, and wonders. I believe today that He's a healer. We've seen Him do it. We've watched Him heal. Amen. I believe that He is a deliverer. We've watched Him deliver. Amen. We've watched him turn people's lives around that were bound by addictions and and lifestyles that were toxic and dangerous, and we've watched God turn those things around, and I thank him for the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, but just like as it was back in Egypt when Israel was in captivity, those miracles, signs, and wonders are not really what caused people to believe on God. It was his identity, and today what's going to really solidify your faith and give you the ability to serve God is not another miracle in your life life not another sign not another wonder but it is a revelation of who the mighty God is it's a revelation of who Jesus is that he is the supplier of every need that you have he is the answer to every need that you have he is the source to every need that you have and Jesus is Jehovah he is the mighty God in Christ he is the one true God I want us to stand this morning and I just want us to thank him right now I want you to thank him. Now, I don't want you to ask for a miracle right now. I just want you to thank him that you know who he is. Uh, Jesus, I thank you. Uh, Come on, that same God who showed up to Moses at a burning bush and said, Get ready, Moses, I'm about to bring Israel out of Egypt. Uh, Get ready, Moses, I'm about to astound the universe. Uh, I'm about to astound nations. I'm going to do something that people thought would be impossible, but I'm going to bring a group of ragtag people in bondage out of slavery across the Red Sea and I'm going to cause them to inhabit a land of promise. Come on, Moses, and the way that I'm going to do that is because I am the I am. I can do anything. I've got all power. And Jesus, I know if you could bring Israel out of Egypt, then you can bring me out of my bondage. Lord, if you could deliver Israel out of Egypt, God, then you can make a way out of no way today. That's it, come on, whatever you're going through today, come on, it's the identity of who Jesus is that you need to get a hold of. It's the identity of who Jesus is that you need to get a hold of. Come on, I don't need just a magician to come and wave a magic wand. I don't need just somebody to come and say some hocus pocus and give me some fancy miracle. I need to know who I serve is the almighty God. Hallelujah, he is the mighty God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you have all power. Thank you, Jesus, that you have all power. Hallelujah, that my sickness stands no match against the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, that my circumstance, God, is not too great for you. Hallelujah, you are the almighty God. You are the everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know that I think it was Brother Rima Duncan when he was here. I believe that's who it was, not too long ago. If it wasn't him, it was a recent guest preacher. And I know I preached it in years gone by. But that woman with the issue of blood for twelve years, when she got a hold of the hem of his garment, and that that the the technical word of the the hem of his garment would have been the zit zit. It was the tassels that that were attached at the four corners of the garment. And that, that, those tassels that were there, that they, they, they spelled out the, the identity of who God was. Amen. that when she got a hold of the tassels of Jesus, she was getting a hold of the identity of who what brought her healing? What brought healing to that woman with the issue of blood was she got a hold of a revelation of who Jesus was. Amen. She got a hold of a revelation. And many times we go through struggles and we go through trials and tribulations. And it's not because we, d- we don't come to a church where Jesus is, but we don't really know who he is. But he is the I am. Brother Moses, he's everything that you need. I don't know what your family's going through. I don't know. But I know the I am. I know if you'll just get a hold of the I am, he's the answer to everything, everything you're going through. Maggie Marie, I don't, I don't know today, Maggie Marie, what, what, what problems you came facing today, but I know the I am is the solution to whatever it is. Your, Sister Barry, I know the I am is the answer, amen. Sister Linda, I know that Jesus is the answer. He is the solution. That's why I came today to praise and worship him. amen I'm not doing this because my dad did it or my grandpa did it amen this isn't just some Sunday tradition that I do amen I want to get beyond the idols today I want to let go of anything and everything else that would keep me from getting to Jesus today and I want to worship him as the I am as the source of everything that I need Amen. sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there to get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So
2: I'm going to wait on you, Chiefs. I'm going to wait on you, Chiefs.